Hi there, everyone. This is your host, Michelle Ann Olson, and you are listening to Are You Afraid of the Bark? The podcast that goes bark in the night. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode 18, and I wanted to wish you all a very happy holiday season. Let's call this Are You Afraid of the Bark's Christmas special or special holiday episode. This is one of my favorite times of the year. I'm headed home to Ottawa, actually, in the next few days for the holidays. Really excited to be back home with my family, to get the heck out of the city of Toronto for a few days. I love it, and it's beautiful this time of year at Christmas with all of the lights and the store displays and the Christmas market, but... Yeah, I can't wait to get out of the city and get myself home to Ottawa to be with my family and friends for just a few days. I do love this time of year. To me, it's all about family. It's all about finding the perfect gift to give the loved ones in your life. It's about great food. It's about new PJs on Christmas Eve and hot chocolate and watching the movie Elf and pancakes on Christmas morning. I don't know. Those are some of my family's traditions. It's just a great time of year. I know this can be a tough time of year for some people, and I I just hope that regardless of which holiday you celebrate, regardless of whether you're going home or staying put or going on vacation or going somewhere tropical, I just hope that your holiday season has been and continues to be filled with love. So happy holidays. Let's call this the Are You Afraid of the Bark Christmas special because today, during this episode 18, I wanted to talk to you about some of the very special, very peculiar, and very strange animals that feature in certain Christmas and Yule traditions. So this is the topic of today's podcast, Yule Time Animal Myths and Legends. And what better way to start than to travel to Iceland? to talk about the Yule Cat. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast from its very infancy, in the earliest days when I had a co-host, I believe that there was an episode where she talked briefly about the Yule Cat. I think that that was the case, but I wanted to revisit this character, give my own spin on this particular myth at this time of year, because it's just the absolute perfect time to do so. So the Yule Cat is a figure from Islandic folklore. Now, his name, or her name, he or she does not have a gender, we'll say he. His Islandic name is, and please, please forgive me for this pronunciation, Yulakaturin, or simply Yulkat. Now, for most kids who celebrate Christmas, getting clothing, and myself included, in my earliest days, getting clothing and getting socks, that's pretty low on the Christmas gift totem pole, right? To get clothing, to get socks, you had to pretend to be happy. Maybe you got, you know, a new sweater from your aunt and you're just pretending to be thrilled, but you were really hoping for whatever toy had been just absolutely blasted in advertisements on YTV that year. Or is, is that, is that just me? But 
in Iceland to get new clothes at Christmas is not only a joy, but it could save your life because of the Yule Cat, because of Jola Katorin. So his story dates back to the Dark Ages, although the oldest written accounts of this character in Icelandic folklore, the earliest written accounts date back to the 19th century. So this character is very similar to Krampus, who has been getting a lot of PR, a lot of press in recent years with, I think, a horror movie, this sort of German legend of the antithesis to Santa Claus has been getting a lot of play in recent years. And he really encourages good behavior from children or else. It's not only good behavior to get the gift, it's good behavior or else. This antithesis to Santa Claus, this this German character of Krampus is going to come after you and beat you or eat you or basically cause you to meet some terrible end. And we see this even in the form of the elf on the shelf in more recent history, this idea of not only being good and getting gifts from Santa, but this character that's watching you and is going to rat on you for bad behavior. The Yule Cat can be traced back to this idea. He's an enforcer of Christmas time good behavior. And he's not out to reward you, but to punish you if you're bad. So according to Islandic tradition, anyone who finishes their chores before Christmas would get new clothes as a reward. Meanwhile, lazy children who didn't get their work done on time for Christmas morning would not receive new clothing. In particular, it was, it was often new socks and would have to face the Jolakaturin would have to face his wrath. So to start with, Jolakaturin is no, he's no pussy. He's no pussycat. He's giant. He towers above the tallest houses. And he prowls about Iceland on Christmas night, peering through windows to see which children have received clothing, new socks, as a present to be opened on Christmas morning. If new clothes are among their possessions under the tree, this giant cat moves on. But if the child was too lazy to earn their new socks, the Jolakaturin will eat their Christmas dinner and then move on to the main course of the child themselves. Yeah, no socks under the tree. If you've been lazy, straight up, the Yule Cat will eat you. So this story of the Jolakaturin was also meant to inspire generosity in people, particularly in children, who maybe didn't have to worry about the Yule Cat. Maybe they had done their chores. Maybe they were guaranteed new clothing on Christmas morning. But regardless, you could sort of get around the idea of being eaten by the Yule Cat by giving clothes to the less fortunate, and that would grant them protection from the Yule Cat. So that was another way that you could circumvent his wrath, another way that you could prevent ending up as his Christmas feast. For some reason in Iceland, they have the misfortune of facing multiple monsters of this variety every year. Jolikaturin's owners are the trolls Gryla and Lapaoli, and their 13 children who are known as the Yule 
lads. And that might sound familiar because they featured, or a version of that story featured in the Yule episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I just watched. So they were the owners of the Yule cat. And you have to behave in order to not earn their punishment as well. The Yule lads are a little bit more mischievous in nature and, and were said to come into your home if you let them, if you weren't burning a Yule log to basically, they were like poltergeists. They would, you know, open and close cupboards, shelves, cause things to fall and break, doors to slam. But you had to follow these rules. You have to follow these rules or else you're basically going to be at the mercy of this troll family and their giant cat. So if you ever find yourself in Iceland at Christmas time, please, for the love of God, make sure you've got some new clothes under the tree, because those socks will come in handy when the Yule cat peers through your window. Now, I wanted to end my tale of the Yule cat by reading a poem about him. This poem was written by, and once again, please forgive my pronunciation, Johan or Kotlam. The poem is as follows. You all know the Yule Cat, and that cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from or where he went. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail. He jumped and he clawed and he hissed, sometimes up the valley, sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow. In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, something evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he hunted men, but didn't care for mice. He picked on the very poor, that no new garments got, for Yule, who toiled and lived in dire need. From them he took in one fell swoop their whole Yule dinner, always eating it himself if he possibly could. Hence it was that the women at their spinning wheel sat spinning a colorful thread for a frock or a little sock. Because you mustn't let the cat get hold of the little children, they had to get something new to wear from the grown-ups each year. And when the lights came on on Yule Eve and the cat peered in, the little children stood rosy and proud, all dressed up in their new clothes. Some had gotten an apron, and some had gotten shoes, or something that was needed. That was all it took. For all who got something new to wear stayed out of that pussycat's grasp. He then gave an awful hiss, but went on his way. Whether he still exists, I do not know. But his visit would be in vain if next time everybody got something new to wear. Now you might be thinking of helping where help is needed most. Perhaps you'll find some children that have nothing at all. Perhaps searching for those that live in a lightless world will give you a happy day and a merry, merry Yule. So ultimately, maybe the Yule cat isn't such a bad guy. He does seem to be encouraging good behavior, getting all your chores done, being helpful during the holiday, giving to those less fortunate. And that poem, of course, was translated from Islandic into English. I'm not sure whether it rhymes in Islandic or not. 
But yeah, that poem actually, that's the first time I read it, kind of changes my mind about the Yule Cat. Maybe he's encouraging us to live our best lives at Christmas, and maybe he's not such a villain after all. Next up is the Yule Goat. Now, the Yule Goat's origins go back to ancient pagan festivals. So one theory about his provenance is that the celebration of the goat is connected to the worship of the Norse god Thor, who rode in the sky in a chariot drawn by two goats. And also, the last sheaf of grain bundled in the harvest in these pagan festivals was credited with magical properties as the spirit of the harvest and was saved for Yule time celebrations, and it was called, among other things, the Yule Goat. In Slavic tradition, the Yule Festival honored the god of the fertile sun and the harvest. This god, Devik, was represented by a white goat, and so the Yule Festivals always had a person dressed up as a goat who would demand offerings in the form of presents. And this man-sized goat figure is remembered from 11th century early Christmas time celebrations, where the man-sized goat figure, and I feel the need to say that again because... That's like, that's a terrifying image to me. And if you Google it, you will understand why. The man-sized goat figure was led by a man dressed as Saint Nicholas. And this symbolized the saints, Saint Nicholas's control over the devil himself. That's some, just, that's some heartwarming, family-friendly Christmas pageantry right there. So the function of the Yule Goat has changed throughout the ages. In a Scandinavian custom similar to the English tradition of wassailing, held either at Christmas or the Epiphany, which I believe is January 6th, young men in costumes would walk between houses singing songs, acting out plays, and performing pranks. And that actually sounds very similar to a tradition in Newfoundland where people dressed as mummers They would cover their faces with white, like, pillowcases or bags, cloth bags to hide their identities, would come from house to house, door to door, singing songs and playing pranks and demanding food and alcohol. It was an absolutely terrifying tradition. It really scared me when I lived there. Anyway, this custom is known in England as wassailing and in Scandinavia is associated with the Yule Goat. It continues in certain areas. The group of Christmas characters often includes the Yule Goat, who presents as a rowdy and sometimes scary creature demanding gifts. So imagine that you're celebrating Christmas and then this group shows up at your door. If you're in Newfoundland, they've covered their faces with pillowcases so that you can't identify who they are. And if you're in Norway, there's this character presenting as a man-goat who's demanding presents or else. People say that Halloween is the scariest time of year, but Charles Dickens had it right. Christmas is the time for ghosts and spirits, 100%. This stuff is scary. So later on in the 19th century, the Yule Goat's role shifted toward becoming a giver of Christmas gifts, where one of the men in the family would dress up as the Yule Goat and give out presents. This might be related to Santa Claus and the Yule Goat's origin as the steed of St. Nicholas himself. The goat was later replaced by Father Christmas, 
during the second half of the 19th century, although he is still called Julupuki, or the Yule Goat, in Finland. Luckily, the tradition of the man-sized goat has disappeared. Today in Nordic countries, the Yule Goat best represents as a Christmas ornament. He's a modern version, a decorative goat made out of straw and bound with red ribbons. He's a popular Christmas ornament in this part of the world, found in the Christmas tree itself or underneath. Now, I wanted to wrap up this episode with a series of sort of news clippings that I found pertaining to animals at Christmas time. These are just sort of snippets that I found that I thought were lovely and in the spirit of the season and that I wanted to share with you. So starting with a story, this was in the early, so I think it was 2010, but there was an aquarium in Kamakura, Japan, that at Christmas time in 2010 lit its Christmas tree, and the article points out that it was, quote, tastefully lit with electricity from the aquarium's electric eels. So the eels' tank contained two aluminum panels, and each time the animals moved, they generated enough electricity to power one string of flashing white lights on the two-meter-tall tree. So electric eels obviously generate electricity to not only stun their prey, but they use it as a sort of electroreception to sense the movement of their prey in the murky water, uh, the murky freshwater of South America where they live. They use it to sense the movement of their prey, those electrical fields. Their eyesight is actually quite bad because the water that they live in is traditionally so murky. It's, it's not clear at all. So using the electricity that they generate to power a Christmas tree. I wonder, I, I feel like the electric eel that we have at the aquarium, he doesn't move all that much. He's a pretty, he's a pretty lazy guy. I wonder how well he'd do at powering our Christmas decorations at the aquarium. But anyway, I thought that was a neat kind of story. Another story that I stumbled upon was that of the hashtag Christmas sheep. So this story came out of Omaha, Nebraska, and basically, long story short, a sheep was found wandering the streets of Omaha, Nebraska, sporting a really jaunty Christmas sweater, and he was just walking around in downtown Omaha in his sweater around Christmas time, and the Humane Society picked him up, but he quickly went viral with his story and photos of him and his little Christmas cardigan just going absolutely viral on social media with that hashtag Christmas sheep. And the Humane Society of Nebraska posted on Facebook saying, if you're missing a sheep that enjoys wearing Christmas sweaters, he's here at the NHS. So this family sees this posting, realizes that their hobby sheep has somehow escaped from their backyard Good on them for dressing him up for the holidays. He's really a part of the family. And uh, the animal turned out to be named Gage, and he was reunited with his owner, who learned about the fact that he was missing it all through Facebook. And the article comes to the conclusion, guess it couldn't pull the wool over its owner's eyes forever. So, I don't know. I like that story of hashtag Christmas sheep. Another story out of the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Gardens, where they had a problem where local squirrels were eating their Christmas lights. 
This was causing thousands of dollars of damage, squirrels eating, lights at the zoo, year-round, but especially as they tried to decorate for Christmas. And the groundskeepers at the zoo drove themselves absolutely squirrely, if you will, trying to solve the problem. They even used creative methods like dowsing the wires of the lighting in hot sauce. But it didn't stop the squirrels, and they ended up costing the zoo something like $5,000 in damages. <laughs> These stories have nothing to do with anything except animals and Christmas, and I find them kind of delightful, so this is why I'm sharing them with you. Finally, I have an advent calendar. I love advent calendars. A chocolate a day. I don't know, some people have like a beer a day advent calendars. Just a lovely thing that I remember from my childhood, not the beers, the chocolate, about counting down to Christmas and having a little treat every day as the anticipation grows. So the Zoological Society of London creates advent calendars for its furred and feathered tenants by filling red and green buckets that are labeled for each of the days in December. And every day, a new treat for one of their animals is revealed in this zoological advent calendar. So the buckets contain the animal's favorite fare. The penguins got fish. The meerkats got crickets. And so on and so forth for every day of December leading up to Christmas. A zoological advent calendar. I just thought that those were some cute stories. This episode wasn't especially spooky, but I wanted to leave you with something that captured the spirit of the season a little bit more than man-goat creatures showing up unannounced at your door. So this does conclude our special Christmas time, Yule time, holiday episode of Are You Afraid of the Bark? Thank you so much, as always, for joining me. I've absolutely adored having you as listeners these past weeks. I feel like I'm signing off for the year, even though we have one more episode of 2018 premiering in a week's time on the 27th. But I, I did just want to say that starting this podcast this year and having you as listeners and the feedback and support that you've given have really meant a lot to me. And it's been really, really rewarding. So thank you for that. This is my last episode before Christmas, so I just wanted to say thank you. You guys, you guys are the gift, and producing this podcast is a gift, so thank you. I wish you happy holidays. Like I said, I hope it's filled with love, regardless of what you're celebrating. I guess I'll leave you now, as I always do, by saying Merry Christmas, and I hope that you have sweet dreams tonight. Thanks for listening. Ha, ha, ha.